0: Welcome to The Curious Sheep, the podcast for everything sheep. We'll ask questions, challenge ideas, learn from each other, and share the wonderful world of farming and all the fun that goes with it. Whether you're a seasoned pro at shepherding, just bought your first sheep, or live in the city and are curious about farming, I hope you can gain some knowledge for your own farm or a tidbit of farm info to share at your next dinner party. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Curious Sheep podcast, the wool edition. This episode, I catch up with Maddie from Custom Woola Mills. Her and her family have been managing the mill near Carstairs, Alberta for about 35 years. They are a medium sized mill, so they can still offer custom processing to fiber farmers and fiber clients, but they also um, are able to do larger quantities. They also have their own bedding available as well as a large amount of custom uh, dyed yarns and their own yarn lines. So uh, me and Maddie get chatting about um, a lot of stuff about wool processing. We chat about what farmers can do to better their wool clip and um, what to expect when using Canadian wool. So I hope you enjoy. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Curious Sheep. This week we are heading out to Alberta. I'm chatting Hi. with Maddie. Hi, Maddie. And you are part of the Custom Woolen yeah. Mills family. Is that correct? Yeah. So why don't we start? Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and how sure. you're involved in the wool mill? Ah, uh,
1: so Custom Woolen Mills is a wool processing mill here in Alberta we process right from raw fleece through to finished fiber so we do washing dyeing carding spinning Uh, we make machine knit socks uh, we make wool filled bedding um and then mostly we make hand knitting yarns um and we do that both for um individual farms so if you want to bring your own clip in uh, we can take small lots through to finish product um, as well as we buy direct from farms um, they're wool clipped to make our own brand of yarns for sale at yarn shops across canada and through our little retail shop um, and online store here at custom Mullen Mills. Um, our equipment is on It's industrial size equipment, but it's kind of smaller than modern equipment. It's from the late 1800s and early 1900s. And so because we have the smaller equipment, we're able to do as low as individual fleeces into roping and and batting. Um, And with yarns, we can do batches as small as 20 pounds, um, which is different than uh, modern industrial processing facilities where... The minimum quantities are normally in the hundreds and thousands of pounds.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. So yeah, you're kind of in that in-between size where you can still do those little individual batches, but you can do yeah, larger batches as well.
1: We can do large enough ba- batches that it brings the the price point down a bit. <laughs>
0: hmm and who's all involved in running all of these steps because that's a lot of work yeah, to do all so those there
1: is about 12 of us that work here at the mill they're kind of friends and neighbors and people from the local community that work here full-time um and we operate monday to friday 8 a.m to 4 p.m uh and yeah so there's a bunch of us here i i oversee the mill and I live on the property. Um, my folks started up with some friends in the 70s. Um, and now I'm running it. Yeah.
0: Good. And you were mentioning that you also run yeah, a grain my farm.
1: husband and I, he grew up on a grain farm or a grain and cattle farm here in Alberta. And so just last year, actually, we got into doing a little bit of grain farming ourselves. Um, and so that's a that's mostly his domain but as with any farming enterprise it becomes it's just the lifestyle so yeah 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 exactly yeah.
0: all of all of the juggling right yeah awesome so say if um, do you want to take us through what happens when say a farmer calls you and says, I have some fleece, what should I do with it? Um, what happens kind of once you get that wool? Well, I guess boat?
1: the first question, when someone calls, uh, we want to know, are they wanting it to processed for their own use or to take to the market themselves? Or are they looking to sell it to us? Um, and and the first question we have normally is kind of what breed of sheep do you have Um, so what fiber characteristics does the wool have Um, and what products might it be appropriate for then given those characteristics Um, and then the second question we have is uh, kind of what are your are your feeding conditions for the sheep because that um, that kind of is the main impact for how clean the fiber is going to be when it comes in its raw state. Um, and then once it's at the mill, uh, we hand sort it um, to remove whatever dags and stuff might might have gotten missed at the shearing stage. Um, and then put it through the wash system. It, is that what you were asking? Yeah. Um, do you have
0: wool can or fiber? Because yeah, we process, process alpaca as alpaca,
1: well. Alpaca, alpaca, mohair, a little bit of bison fiber, um, but, but by far the majority Ooh. of what we're processing is wool. And then maybe about 30% alpaca.
0: Mm-hmm. So I know there's, there's not one perfect fiber out there, or like this can be a very big answer, but can you describe a little bit maybe what, um, what kind of wool or fiber is good for certain applications? Like do you have a specific um, wool that you like to use for yarn versus a wool that you would use for bedding? Or do you mostly leave that up to um, the person bringing in the wool and what we they want to We definitely make with
1: try it? to advise people towards certain products, depending on the type of fiber that they have, the, the breed of wool. Um, so for us, when we're buying our own wool, we like to use uh, fine range wool, like uh, Rambouillet or Merino or Targhee in our mule spun yarns so um a harder spin and and apply and a lot of those yarns just by their weight and the type they're going to be used in garments like shawls and cowls and stuff like that and you want them to be nice and soft against the skin um some we quite specifically look for breeds such as suffolk um for the wool bedding because the fiber is really spongy and crimpy and it's got a coarser fiber. So it's going to have more loft in the bedding and it also is less prone to creeping through fabric. So if you try to put a fine or lustrous fiber in bedding, unless the fabric weave is quite tight, it'll work its way through. And then people will have shedding on their in their bedding products, um, and in some circumstances people don't mind if they really wanted their own fiber back, or you know we use down get them to use downproof ticking or something like that. Um, but in other circumstances that can be a really big problem. Also, some breeds their wool is much more prone to felting quickly compared to others. So Suffolk felts less than um, some of the range wolves do. So if you don't really want a mattress pad made of a fiber that's going to mat down and get felted really quickly. Then there are other breeds such as Cotswold and stuff like that, that, and Romney, that make a really nice, long, lustrous fiber. And that's an extremely strong fiber. So we try to blend those. fibers into things like sock yarns and stuff like that because it gives increased durability in the product in the long run so yeah where the type of sheep that you have really and the wool characteristics really have an impact on how um on the longevity of the products that you make with them and um and how happy you are with with the end result ultimately
0: Mm-hmm. In Canada, we do have a lot of crossbred sheep. Is there a cross that you really like? Or what are some of the difficulties in maybe working with the cross? Because I know with some of ours, um some of the crosses definitely tend to lead more towards the one of the breeds versus the other. And then some of our crosses like we'll have Dorset Rito cross, and one kind of almost gets hair in it. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that and like the consistency um sure, issues yeah. that there might be
1: uh, that can be a pretty big challenge because it's like you said sometimes you really don't know what you're going to get from lamb to lamb in terms of wool characteristics if you're retaining uh, like breeding stock or replacement use um and then so some crosses are so the wool characteristics are so different from each other that you basically end up with a fiber that you can't place anywhere properly like uh, for example a targy or rambly suffolk cross you is really hard for us to handle just because as i described the characteristics for product and how we're going to use them in products if you have one fleece that leans more towards the suffix side, it's coarse and it might have that a gray undertone to it just because of the blackface sheep genetics and stuff. And so we can't put that into our fine yarns, but then we also can't risk putting it into bedding because it could have that fine wool throughout the fleece or in parts of it. Um, which would cause creeping in the, in the bedding. Um, so some crosses are very challenging to, to place the wool into a good product from. Others, it's not a big deal. Like if you're crossing fine breeds with other fine breeds or some of the you know, mediums, if you cross a Romney with a fine, fine breed, sometimes you just end up with a nice soft fiber that's a little more shiny. Um, and then we can use that in different yarns. Um, the crosses that I would be most cautious about and, um, and I think really just make a mess is when you cross, when there's any cross of a hair breed with a wool breed, just because often you end up having to shear the sheep anyway, and the hair that grows up through the wool just makes it totally unusable from our perspective
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that's gonna be hard and I think there's a bit of a disconnect there because as farmers we're so stuck on um meat growth or you know pounds per you know pounds gain like we don't pay attention to that wool and we haven't put enough value on that wool either that um Yeah, in the end, if you get these mixed breeds, the wool has no value. Um, And then on your end, right, like you would, it really takes away from any of that, any of that potential. Can you describe to farmers some other things that they need to do to improve the quality of their clip? I know um, just vegetable matter and feeding hay is a big one, right? That's
1: a big one. And that can be overcome with the right setup. Um, So that's just mainly if you have any kind of system, feeding system where the sheep can pull hay down onto themselves um, or onto each other, then that's going to get, it's going to get embedded in in the main blanket of their coat or of their fleece throughout the year and there's not much you can do to really clean it up but any kind of trough feeding system or rollout system where the sheep you're not you know using the bale shredder with the animals in the in the corral or something like that um you can still have you know very clean fiber even after you've gone through a winter of feeding hay um beyond the feeding system a big thing that can be a challenge is just the marking like they there are like washable paint paint markers and stuff that are advertised for um you know sorting your animals and stuff but they really don't actually wash out like that's a big problem for scouring even large scouring facilities but especially small processors if you spray you know once you got that blue and purple and orange and stuff on the main part of the fleece you there's no way we're going to get it out and so that will just ends up having to be garbage or put into a b b grade of um product and so anything you can do to mark conservatively whether it's on the top top of the neck where you're going to sort it away anyway sort it out and um or skirted out of the of the clip anyway or making sure that your marks are small rather than down the whole length of the of the back of the animal that kind of thing can make a huge difference that's when we're buying wool for ourselves we're looking at vegetable matter in the fleece and marking on the fleece then uh, a lot of contamination can happen at shearing so sometimes it's easier for the big setups because you maybe have a dedicated shearing area where you're working on concrete or something like that but especially with small smaller operations or farms where you kind of are setting up a special area once a year for shearing um it's really important to set down plywood or something that you can sweep between um between each you or you know a okay ca- to make sure that you're keeping the shearing platform clean for the shearer and then transferring the shorn wool to a nice clean surface. Because a lot of, when we see straw contamination rather than hay, it it's often coming right from when things have been shorn. So either the sheep were, hadn't been moving around enough to shake off any straw that was on them from their bedding or or the fleece got put down on straw after it was shorn off. Um, And then just skirting really carefully and sorting carefully during the shearing. So pulling off those dags and any really heavily uh, contaminated fleece, that's got a lot of vegetable matter in it. um, And keeping your white fleeces separate from your colored fleeces. um, And, and then keeping the breeds separate so if you're a big operation and you know that you've got you know five different breeds in there the anything you can do to keep those breeds separate the wool from those breeds separate will help um improve the overall quality of your clip because if it's all mixed together it's always going to get downgraded to the lowest common denominator and um and, you know, purebred Suffolk can be a great wool for us and we'll pay a good price for it. But it, just as purebred Targhee or purebred Rambouillet or, you know, when we can be sure of what the wool characteristics are going to be, then we can appropriately use that wool and put it in A-grade, po- um, A-grade product where we get a good price for it. And then we can make sure that we've got a good price um, in there for the wool producer.
0: Awesome. That's some really good information. Um, yeah, that big one, right? Like once your hay or your straw gets in there, it's really hard to get out. Um, and especially you as a male, um, you know, it's one thing if someone says, yeah, no, I just want this. I just want yarn back from this specific sheep. It is what it is. Um, you know, that's maybe easier to deal with, but you as a male who go on to sell that yarn, you you need to make sure that you
1: can yeah because you know the, the average yarn consumer is going to a yarn store with product from all over the world and um and if the Canadian product doesn't like ultimately doesn't measure up to some of the other options out there where um that and especially ones that have a really well established national marketing strategy um. then th- there's no reason for them to purchase it, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Speaking of all the different wool and yarn products you could buy, what are some of the good qualities that Canadian wool has that you like to um, share about your products or that you like to sort of boast your yarns well, um, for? It's dependent on you. I mean, we have so many different, you have your very downy breeds that make one style of yarn. Then you have your very wool specific breeds, which can maybe give a different answer. But uh,
1: well, what do you guys like to tell a, your customers? One part of it is that the wool industry in Canada is very diverse. There's not one breed or type of wool that, um, that dominates the, Industry so much, and so we are able to make like a huge variety of products to meet different needs. So we make really fine yarns that are nice and soft, and then we make slightly coarser yarns that are better for um, like outerwear and um, are lofty and warm. And um, so that's one great thing about Canadian wool is we do have a huge variety of products available. Another excellent thing about Canadian wool is we have really well established um, standards, like labor standards and agricultural standards, and a lot of transparency in just our society general in general compared to other places around the world. And so I feel really comfortable when I buy Canadian products and work with Canadian farmers and stuff that certain minimum standards are being are being met. like we know that laborers in Canada have access to health care, and we know that you know they get breaks and they get wages that we all also of um, a standard that we all also live with. And with animals and environmental stewardship, there are also um, relatively high minimum standards compared to other places in the world. Um, And so you know that the land is being taken care of at least to a certain standard. Um, So I think that's an excellent part of Canadian wool and Canadian industry in general. Mm-hmm.
0: That's, that's an awesome point. I think we have to, I think we forget that sometimes as as farmers yeah. or as, um, uh, <laughs> I say it's not, oh man, is it because it's Thursday afternoon? Um, <laughs> I think we as Canadian farmers sometimes don't blow our own horns enough, but um, I think, you know, the whole made in Canada, being Canadian yeah, something I mean, can people get really excited really about
1: fair trade products and stuff like that. But, you know, I think the most the most fair trade product is one that comes from your neighbor or something like that, because, you know, I know that people have pretty good access to education here and you have a pretty good chance of going to university or something if that's what your goal is. And there's just a lot of opportunities available to a higher proportion of the population in Canada compared to a lot of places, even when it's marketed as fair trade or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked about
0: what you guys do a little bit, um, what farmers can do when they bring their fleece in and that kind of stuff. Um, I'm interested can you give us a bit of a description you said some of your machinery is from the 1800s can you maybe describe maybe this is really hard to do but can you describe some of your equipment for us and what it does
1: so our equipment is not dissimilar from modern equipment textile equipment except kind of in its size so everything that we have is a little smaller than modern stuff but um and it's fully mechanical whereas some new stuff would be slightly automate more automated but um so most of the machinery in our mill is really big it's about five feet tall it's got great big steel drums um and pulleys and belts that um so our carters, they're big drums covered with a fine metal brush material. Um, and the wool gets fed in and it transfers from drum to drum and gets brushed. And the fibers get more and more organized as it moves through. Um, so, yeah, it's it's kind of belt driven equipment, similar to some of those really old tractors that you would see or threshing machines and stuff, but it's always been, it's been continually maintained and kept in operation for these years. So none of it's rusty or worn down or anything.
0: Mm-hmm. And you can and because yeah, it doesn't have like a computer I'm sure you yeah. can fix it all, right?
1: <laughs> a lot of it has standard bearings, so we can just order new bearings. They're made. Most of the equipment here is made in the U.S. originally, um, and yeah, you can yeah. buy new belts. Sometimes we have to change gears and change from belt driven to chain driven or something like that. Um, so it's really a mashup of historical kind of what historical stuff that you would expect to see in a museum and um and and modern stuff because we're not a museum we're a, you know we're a business operating to make a product so whatever we need to do to keep it going we we do we're not too overly concerned with um you know with keeping it in its original state we try to but if we need to we, f- we fix it up to keep it going
0: Mm-hmm. yeah no it's really cool and I mean it's it's the same process that it has been for you know generations I think that's really cool um so you guys do the yarns you do socks you do bedding um do you offer any no, other services to your customers Basically
1: everything we do carding if someone wants just roving back or batting for hand spinning or crafting that way but um Carding yarn, socks, and bedding. That's mm-hmm. that's basically everything. Yeah. We dye and you do dyeing much. as well we too with the yarn, right? Don't so much because our our dye tank, the minimum quantity we'll do per color is fifty pounds, and that's actually normally more than most people want to deal with. There's a few customers that we do those great bigger lots for, but mostly. Um, that that capacity is too large for the average small farm mm-hmm. yeah and then you've
0: got your sort of set color scheme that you have um yeah. that you continually yes, offer your own, customers like our as well, own then. yarn
1: lines that we sell in the yeah. in the store and across Canada and different lo- local yarn shops and stuff and we change those colors when we feel like it and try to bring out new ones and but but yeah Mm-hmm. Yep. good
0: is there anything else you want to tell us about yarn processing or did i miss anything bit. okay um here's a fun question for you what's like the craziest fiber project or fiber that you've put through uh, the mail
1: or project we've- that you've worked on always been pretty open to experimenting with different stuff so um over the years we've had a lot of fun doing some kiviot blends for a group up in none of it we did some in the 90s for them and then we're working on another project right now with kiviot um so that's pretty cool because it's gathered you know kind of off the landscape there and then we blend it with wool here and and come up with different products we've also worked with hemp fiber making a wool hemp blend with some farms here in southern Alberta um and that's always kind of in the initial stages and playing around with what might be feasible um so sometimes things come of it and sometimes things don't or you change your approach or your idea about it but um those have been two pretty fun and interesting projects. Some really fun um, cool projects, if you, if you don't mind, uh, that we've gotten to do is starting in 2016, yeah. we um, started hosting an annual uh, artist in residence here, fiber artists in residence. We didn't get to do it last year just because of COVID, so I kind of forgot about it. But uh, we've gotten to interact with some really interesting fiber artists and have them connect back to the manufacturing process and also back to the farmer um, and try to bring it full circle that way. Um, and that's a project that we hope to continue. So they, they've come and stayed with us for a month here at the mill and worked on a project. And then we had a big community party at the end of their stay and to showcase their Um, their art we the first year we worked with a weaver and a natural dyer Megan Megan Sams and that really spurred on some new projects for us in terms of doing naturally dyed yarns and then we've worked with a sculptor and and needle felter from Winnipeg Rosemary Palacan and uh, it just is a lot of fun she you know it it's just a totally new experience and a different dynamic here at the mill to have an artist poking around and trying different things and using old machine parts as part of their work um and then we got to work with co-salish knitting expert sylvia olson one year and she was working on like new yarns um to to do kind of traditional motifs with and stuff like that um, so that's always been a really, that's probably been the most fun fiber projects that we've done here.
0: That's neat. Yeah. And then it
1: gets you guys working on
0: some new stuff. And I'm sure that also trickles back to like the artist and maker community too. Yeah. And some of the different potentials. And of just also connecting using Canadian fiber how
1: it's actually processed and, and how it's produced on the farm you know, that, that just trying to change that or, uh, bridge that gap from agriculture to you know high art or whatever
0: and for the future what are the big plans for custom woolen mills any anything
1: big coming well, up or
0: new stuff you're try?
1: I guess nothing big but it's kind of a big concept that we don't really want to expand we, we like we want to be here to provide services to individual farms for years to come so we don't you know we are going to keep going with the smaller equipment and keep working on uh promoting Canadian wool and local products we you know are always try to work on our web presence and get the message out there to knitters and crocheters and fiber artists across canada that there are canadian options for them um and that there's a huge diversity of fiber available in canada that can be used for almost any project anyone has in mind um so nothing crazy in terms of change just trying to keep on keeping on
0: Yeah, good. No, it sounds like you guys definitely have your you've got your sweet spot figured out. So, yeah, it's not it's it's not always about you know getting bigger and changing. Sometimes it's just yeah. sitting where you are and enjoying that as well. No, and it's really great. Um, you guys have done a lot of work and read through a couple of the blogs you have on your website. So there's a lot of really good information on there. Is your website the easiest spot for people to find you? Yeah, it's um, probably the easiest spot
1: to start. Um, We've got information about custom processing on there. We've got our little wool shop available online there and our contact information. So you're always welcome to send us an email or give us a call. Sometimes sending an email is easier. But uh, and we'll try to answer whatever questions you have and help connect if you're a farmer and you've got wool that you want processed to help you identify what might be great for the wool that you've got or for the projects that you have in mind um but yeah the website's probably the, the fastest and easiest way to start that process
0: perfect um i we we stopped in at the mill oh gosh did we have three kids with us yet no there was one, maybe. I, uh, I backpacked the wall and brought it out to you guys because I really wanted a blanket and I've been enjoying my little duvet ever since and it's amazing. But maybe when we go to Florida, we'll have to come visit you guys again because it's such a cool place to see. Um, so hopefully one day you guys can do like tours again because it was so fun to see. And as yeah, a farmer, really like seeing that
1: process is always really neat too. So I'm sure we'll work that out somehow, sometime in the not too distant future thanks for sharing
0: your story thanks for tuning in and make sure you head on over to instagram to follow us at circle our lamb where i'll be posting links to the episodes as well as the show notes and any related tip sheets and materials feel free to ask any questions or give us suggestions for future episodes thanks and happy farming